Hums this week. We've got two weeks worth of psalms, actually two and a half weeks worth of psalms, and we're going to read every single one of them, meditate on them all tonight. No, not hardly, not hardly. I just want to share a few, few remarks about the psalms and just talk about a couple of them and just reflect. Something that is significant, I think, to know and to remember and realize about the psalms are they, that they are prayers that God has inspired men to write down so that we would know how to pray to him. <coughs> we know how to praise him. We know how to talk to him. The Psalms reflect every conceivable aspect and emotion to our life. Do you know that? You read through them, you meditate on them, and you see everything in life reflected. David and the others who had written them had experienced multitudes of things. And the Holy Spirit, just moving on them, causes them to write these these songs, they're, they're really poems that were meant to be put to music for praise and prayer. Praise and prayer. We don't have the ability to fathom the depth of all the Psalms. It would take us an entire lifetime going line by line, line by line, Reading, studying, meditating, discovering, being edified, encouraged, strengthened by them. In your notes, I've just listed some of the major subjects covered in the Psalms. And these are areas that all of us can certainly relate to at one point in our life. The idea of trust. How do you express trust? How does God want us to express trust? He's written some psalms. He's written some poems for us to, to read, to meditate on. How do you express confession? There's again there's some psalms. Praise, forgiveness, security, despair and hope. When words fail us, when we're going through some situation some deep water or when we're exalting and words fail us we have the Psalms we have the Psalms an old pastor told me one time it really blessed me he says if you really want to be strong in the Lord he says, study and meditate on the Psalms and the epistles of Paul. Well, most of you know I love Paul. I've spent a lot of time in the Psalms. And God has enriched me in just in my own life because of the study of those two major segments of the Scriptures. I want to share with you some of the, some of, just some of the Psalms that have meant something to me, just read through them and maybe comment. If you have a daily Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 5. 
April 19th. In fact, that's what we just sang just a few moments ago. This is a prayer for protection of the righteous. Now, you and I know, if you're a Christian, the Bible says that we are righteous in Christ. We have his righteousness. God looks at us as he looks at Jesus. Jesus' righteousness has been given to us. It's not our own personal righteousness. But that we are to work out a practical righteousness based on who we are and what we possess from the Lord. And so there is this psalm, which is a prayer of protection. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For it's to you that I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. And I wait in expectation. I've shared with you in the past that part of my prayer in the morning as I wake up, I say, Lord, it's you and me today. I wait upon you. It's you and me today. I, I don't have a clue as to what's going to go on today. I don't know what you have on your agenda for me in terms of specifics today. And all of that has arisen out of this psalm. I'll say, God, you're not one who takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, but I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. Not on my own efforts, not because I'm so good or capable, by your mercy. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. O God, go before me today. The devil is out there. He wants to trip me up. I know not what schemes in terms of specifics are laid before me. God, go before me. Go before me, Lord. I wait upon you. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. And their tongue, they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Rise up, O Lord. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Lord, let the church today, those who take refuge in you, be glad. Let them sing today, God. And spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as with a shield. That last whole last section is my prayer for you every day. That God would surround you with his protection. That you would rejoice. 
So we start our day with prayer. A prayer for protection for the righteous. Those who are righteous by God's mercy. I want you to turn over to Psalm 23, page 496. This is a favorite of many of us. But I want to read it just a little bit differently than it's written here. Most of us know this psalm by heart. It's a favorite of many. But I want you to read it this way. The Lord is not my shepherd, and I shall be in want. He does not make me lie down in green pastures. He does not lead me beside quiet waters. He does not restore my soul. Does that grab you? Do you find that if we, if we insert the word not, the negative in, that, in these passages, do you find that the reading of them that way leaves a tremendous vacuum? A certain terrible vacuum? Oh, Lord, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. I don't want to be in want. Better yet, you don't want me to be in want. And I want you to make me lie down in green pastures. I want you to lead me beside quiet waters. And better yet, you want to do it. You want to do it. And you want to restore my soul. Oh, and my soul is in such disruption. How you want to restore it. And I thank you that you do. I thank you that even in spite of me, you restore my soul. I thank you that it's not up to me that you would restore my soul. When I'm crazy, when I'm out of control, when I'm unreasonable, thank you that you will restore my soul. Thank you that you have mercy and you reach down into my life and you'll touch deep inside of me and restore my soul. Thank you. Thank you. And you guide me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Oh, I'm glad that you do that. You know, we, we talk a lot about obedience and walking in righteousness. And, 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 and sometimes in the, in, the, in, the, in the context of thinking about that and working out our salvation with fear and trembling and doing all that we're supposed to be doing, we lose sight of the fact that it's God who's leading us all the time. And he's faithful to lead us in paths of righteousness. And he does so in mysterious and wonderful but faithful ways. God who does it. So we don't pray that and we say, oh, and you don't lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And I love this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. But I don't feel you. I'm still here, child. You are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know there's great comfort in discipline? Do you know that? I see it in my son wonderfully. 
When he's out of order, disobedient, being foolish, exhibiting all that stuff, when we, we discipline his life, I see all of a sudden comfort come into his life. And it just once again reminds me that, that we scream out for discipline. We scream out for order. And it's within the context of discipline and order that we find peace and comfort. And God does that for us because he knows we need it. Isn't he great? Isn't he great? I love this. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Imagine all your enemies arrayed in front of you. Enemies that threaten. What does God do? He prepares a table. Let's have dinner. Let's sit down and enjoy a nice meal together. Don't worry about your enemies. That's all under control. I'll keep them at bay. I want you to enjoy a meal with me. I want you to enjoy time with me. I want you to have a respite with me. You prepare a table for me even in the presence of my enemies. This is a beautiful song. You anoint my head with oil. Oh, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I've got so much. You're so blessed. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And here's the best part. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to see the confidence. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here is a person who is incredibly rejoicing in the protection of God, in the guiding of God, the leading of God, the moving of God in his life or her life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Gorgeous. Turn over to page 509, Psalm 71. This has especially important meaning for me as I get older. I should have said as I grow older. A prayer for God's presence even in old age. Isn't this lovely? Hardly any of you that need to read this, but I'm growing fonder and fonder of it. <laughs> oh, Marie, yes. Okay. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. And turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. Now David, of course, writes this when he's mounting in years and he's having trouble, not only with Absalom, his son, but also with... Uh, other, revol other revolts going on in the land. He says, For you have been my hope, O sovereign God, my confidence since my youth. 
from birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do we? I wonder if we do that. Do we, is our mouth filled with his praise and we declare his splendor all day long? We say, God, you're great. You're great. You're mighty and awesome and glorious and beautiful and wonderful. God, you're great. Do we do that all day long? Are we taken with the understanding? Are we taken with the reality of who he is, as David recounts here in this precious psalm? I remember he's been doing this all his life. Now he says, do not cast me away when I'm old. I don't want to retire. I don't want to go out there and leisure world (laughs) and get in some dance class or knitting circle or pottery class. Don't put me out there. Don't forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him. No one will rescue him. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. What a beautiful picture. God, the enemies, just waiting for me to go out and become inactive. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. The older I get, they're not going to be able to shut me up. (laughs) My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I... No, not its measure. I don't know how rich and deep and expansive your grace is, really. And though I declare it all day long, I still can't do it justice. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O Lord, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are still to come. God, Keep me alive. Keep me string, uh, full of strength. Keep me on fire so that the next generation can benefit from all that you've given me. Oh, what a glorious thing it is. You know, somebody said, I think it was Dylan Thomas, the English uh, poet, said, too bad that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> I am learning that reality more and more. I see some of you young, tough guys around here. I think, man, if I had their vigor and what I know now, you couldn't keep me back. (laughs) Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God, you who have done great things. You, O God, who is like you. 
Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. God, I know you hear this prayer. I know you know what I want. Boy, Lord, nothing more. He says, you will restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will bring again me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I, whom you have redeemed, my tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. You have not forsaken me. Isn't that glorious? Here's one. This one is always a great one. Psalm 91. I want you to turn to page five, page 514. Now this, is a, this one creates a tremendous amount of dilemma for most people when they read it. This psalm is an utter, absolute promise of personal protection, but I want you to notice, for the one who trusts in the Lord. Psalm 91. I used to read this psalm, and I used to meditate on it, and I used to think, I can't believe this. I have a hard time believing this, what it says. Is it just exaggeration? Is it just hyperbole? No. Because it really hangs on trusting the Lord. It hangs on walking by faith. It hangs on just being out there saying, okay, my life is in your hands. And meaning it. Now look at this. This is glorious. I love this psalm. Psalm 91. He who, now look at the first couple verses. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That means he who's staying in the shelter of God will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Not maybe, not might, will rest. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What does it mean to trust Him? It means even in the face of the most difficult things in your life to trust what he says and keep walking with him, keep staying under the shelter of his wings. And it gets scary. It gets scary. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. By the way, that from the deadly pestilence, a lady in our church, a gal is a nurse, I had occasion to speak and pray for her this week. She, she was telling me that uh, she witnessed an accident and uh, ran out of the, she works in the emergency room, ran out of the emergency room and uh, with some other people began to minister to this one man who was just in this accident, blood all over the place. And they didn't have all their garb on and stuff. They were just so sudden. So they ran out there. They, they, all his blood was all on him. They finally got him into the, into the ER and began to work him, clean him up. And then he told them that he was HIV positive. And uh, they're already contaminated with blood. And I, and, I, and I shared this. He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. Now, the reason I can say that to this woman is because I know that she is a woman who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. I so said, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. 
He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. Do I dare believe that? Do I dare believe that? Get under his wings. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High. Trust in the Lord. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Isn't that powerful? And they will lift you up in their hands. How many times have people here been rescued almost miraculously in an accident or something where you should have been dead and you look and you think, I don't know how I'm not dead. so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Ooh, man. And all you have to do is make the Most High your dwelling. Cling to Him. And He does the rest. Just cling to Him. He does the rest. Turn over to page 523. Is this okay, dude? Now, this is a dilemma most people have because if we look on the wicked, Psalm 37, I'm sorry, Psalm 37. So many times we look on the wicked and we see them prospering and just kind of going through life like there's no problem. And we're thinking, what in the world? You got it. I'm pouring my, I'm serving you. I'm dead. Why are these guys prospering over here? God, have you taken notice? God says, do not fret. Don't be uptight. Don't worry. Don't let this bug you. Don't let it get to you because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. But you now, he says, you trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And, and Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he says, If you do not grow weary in doing good, in due season you will reap a harvest. So he says, don't grow weary. Do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. In other words, enjoy what I provided for you. Delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desires of your hearts. Man, that's a blank check. 
That's a blank check. Delight yourself in me. Jesus says the same thing, doesn't he? Matthew 6, 33, our favorite verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff that you're all freaked out about. He says, I'll take care of it. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. And He will do this. He will do it. Not maybe, not might. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. How many times have we looked at the the whole justice system and said there's no justice? And you suffer for what's doing, for doing what's right. Well, here he says, if you trust in him, he says, I'll, I'll bring you justice. And it'll shine like the noonday sun. Everybody will see it. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Oh, man. I can hardly wait. A little while. A little while, he says, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they'll not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy not just regular peace, great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. Oh, man, that's scary. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose ways are upright, but their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. What goes around, comes around. (laughs) Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. And though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good, and then you will dwell in the land forever, for the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off, 
The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart, and his feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. And when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil. But he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless and observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. And the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they can take refuge in Him. And all of us have, have, have been perplexed when we see the righteous suffering and when we see the wicked prospering. But the Lord says, don't sweat it. I got it all under control. And unless these people turn around, they're going to be gone. One last psalm. Turn to page 521. Psalm number one. This is such a precious one. We'll close with this. Blessed is the man or woman. Sometimes I forget to do that and I get letters. I respond back, I said, it says somewhere in the book that I'm not to take away or add. To the... I'm just being funny. <laughs> Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates once in a while. <laughs> It's ever before him. You say, but I have to go to work. How can I do that? Write it on cards. Keep it in your pocket. <laughs> memorize scripture. A psalm a day. You can memorize a psalm a day. <laughs> well, you guys are really slow, man. It's getting late. I, 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 I got to tell you this. I was counseling this one guy one time several years ago. And he was having some real problems in his life. He couldn't think. He, his thinking was just all messed up. And his relationships were all messed up. And I said, you got to start thinking clearly and accurately and rightly. He says, well, I love Jesus. I say, okay, you love Jesus. Well, then I'm going to give you an assignment. He said, okay, what is it? I'll, he said, I'll do anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, you know the Psalms? He said, yes. I said, I want you to memorize one Psalm. Just one psalm. He says, okay, okay, what psalm? I said, you got a pencil and paper? He said, yeah. 
I said, write this down. Psalm 119. <laughs> and he was excited. He went away. He says, okay, I'm going to memorize Psalm 119. I saw him the next week. I said to him, how far did you get? He said, that's a long psalm. I said, yeah, but I want you to get the point. That's why it's so long. We want you to meditate in the word of the Lord day and night. But the man or the woman who does meditate in God's law, God's word day and night, that person will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he or she does prospers. Whatever you put your hand to, it will prosper. It will prosper. That's a promise. That's the outworking of righteousness and the word of God and truth and principles that are unchanging in your life. He says, not so the wicked, they are like chaff, yet the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the, seat, in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Will perish. Aren't the Psalms rich? We're going to read some more next week. So I want you to be reading Psalms. See if you can pick out the ones that I'm going to read next week. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for your word, which is rich, that we can meditate in it as we've done tonight and reflect and see so clearly how they address every area of our lives. You've given us words, Lord, that we can recite back to you. We've, you've given us sentiments that we can express to you. And we thank you for these things. Lord, we tremble at the thought of the wicked perishing. We tremble at those, Lord, who mock you and ignore you and mock your people. We tremble at the very thought that they will perish. It's terrifying to us, God, for we, we were there and we know now as we look back with 2020 hindsight ever so clearly. We see now our foolishness in those days, our arrogance, our pride, our pain, our emptiness, our excuses, our rationales. We see it over so clearly. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you that you've opened our eyes. Thank you that you stirred us, Lord, to see that we were sinners and gave us the courage to recognize it and then showed us the great, glorious news of Jesus. Jesus taking your wrath in our place on that cross 1,900 years ago. God, thank you. We could never thank you enough. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the relief of guilt. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. 